0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 5 of Apotheosis of a Bombast. As usual, I'm Scott and with me is Elton.
1: Good afternoon everyone, hope everyone's feeling fine. We're
0: having a pretty calm and warm day here in New Jersey. How is it over there in
1: England? It's rubbish. It's <laughs> cold and dark. We had snow again this morning. Again. I don't mind the snow now. I'm getting used to it. It's getting to be a record season I guess for you guys, right? Yeah, I think... At least four days' worth of snow, so yeah, that, that's, I think that's three days more than last year, so we're doing all right at the moment. So much
0: for global warming. Yeah. <laughs> well, today we thought we'd put together kind of a theme show for you guys. As we've mentioned, much times we're members of the Simply Syndicated Forum. There's a lot of discussion there about the new Star Trek movie and some of the other movies that have come out over the years. It's actually a Movies You Should See podcast series, which we encourage everybody to check out. But one of the big debates seems to stem from this idea of when a movie is remade. I certainly have some views on those things. I know Elton does too. We were going to talk a little bit about some of the, the current key issues for now, which would certainly be the Star Trek movie is one of the main ones. But we'll talk a little bit about some of the movies from the past, some of the movies that are on the table or in the works. And we've a couple of things we should probably preface right up front Neither Elton nor I have really been to the movies very much lately. <laughs> we both have small children, so if you want to talk about Hotel for Dogs or 101 Dalmatians or you know, even getting to the movies with a small child doesn't necessarily mean you've seen the movie. So we're a little limited, and we'll, we'll be speaking probably from probably 2001 and earlier. <laughs> That's our main frame of reference. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Uh, I think Pixar
1: rules in my house at the moment.
0: Yep. So yeah, when they do a Cars remake, you're all set for that But until then (laughs) But I think as we go through the discussion too uh, There's a lot of movies that I did not even realize Were a remake of other films Um, And so we'll have to probably talk a little bit there too About what constitutes a remake In the sense of our discussion And when it's really so different Or so far removed from the original That it's okay There's TV to movie adaptations There's comic book adaptations There's uh, sequels there are these, there's prequels, there's <laughs> all these different things. And our main focus today is going to be on the idea of, I guess they call it a reboot or a reimagining, or sometimes they just pretend it's the only version of a film. So, movies we're thinking of are things like The Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the upcoming Star Trek movie.
1: With the Star Trek movie, uh, it's reimagining. The whole franchise, really. But not not the whole franchise per se, but they've gone back to the beginning, but doing it in a, a different time arc or a different time frame or a different interpretation of someone else's view on something. Right. I think the key is
0: that they're taking events that maybe we didn't see in the movie but were described in the movie and then representing them or refabricating them or restructuring them in a way that may or may not be the same as the original. So, Have you seen both Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movies? Yes, I have, yeah. That's probably a good one to start with as just a frame of reference, because it's fairly current (laughs) and fresh in my mind. So you have basically the same plot line, the contest, the children win the chance to go to the factory. Mm -hmm. It's the same characters Mm -hmm. based on a book. And my understanding is first movie, the Gene Wilder movie, deviated so much from the book or the portrayal of the characters in the book that the author wanted to remove himself from the project.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think uh, Roald Dahl was very happy with the, the the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory version, was he?
0: But now, what part of it do you think he was displeased with? I, I think it was Gene Wilder's kind of surly, but more sinister than mischievous kind of portrayal of Willy Wonka.
1: Uh, yeah, I'd go along with that, but I'd also go, it, it was a very bright and cheerful and colourful sort of film. Uh, With Charlie and the Chocolate Factory it does seem to be a little bit darker and the the chocolate's a bit darker and a bit thicker and um, there's not as many bright rooms as, say, Willy Wonka was. It sounded hippie-ish. Yeah, it it was was, uh, early 70s it was made, wasn't it? Yes. So, yeah, you have got the hippie vibe there I'd imagine, but it the first film did seem to me very, very bright. I still prefer it to uh, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. I, I don't really like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory at all. Everyone says Johnny Dipp did a great job. Yeah, he, he did do a great job, but there were other people in line for that job that I think could have done a, a, a lot better uh, job about it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I really like Jim Wilder's portrayal, and one of the things that... I'll probably be mentioning later on is when you see parodies of some of these movies and characters the way that they're spoofed to me helps define the character and then Family Guy and a couple other shows where they've had a Willy Wonka-ish character and mm-hmm. it was the Gene Wilder version it was that little bit snarky a little bit uh, he knows things he's not letting on um, yeah. that portrayal it, that just works for me the kind of damage to Johnny Depp, Willy Wonka, that kind of bothered me.
1: <laughs> there was a um, a rumor that uh, Marilyn Manson was actually penciled in to actually do Willy Wonka in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory version. I don't know if that would have gone down well, but I would have loved to have seen Marilyn Manson as Willy Wonka. Yeah, I, th- I think that could have gone
0: well. The few things I've seen him being it's. He kind of knows he's a character. Mm -hmm. And I think he could have really portrayed that in a light more like how I picture Willy Wonka to be. And I I love the books. Yeah. What I did like about the movie, and I think was consistent with both, is you have your Veruca Salts, which are nearly identical. (laughs) You have your Blueberry Girls. Mike TV was essentially the same in both. Yeah. Augustus
1: Gloop as well. Yeah. He was exactly the same.
0: Yeah. If you're going to talk about a remake and a remake that kind of falls within acceptable limits. I think Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is an acceptable remake of Willy Wonka. I don't know if it was necessary, and I don't like the movie better, but as far as a director coming in and remaking the movie, the things that were changed, I don't think he violated any canon when Tim Burton made that new movie. He kept the Mm -hmm. core parts. The storyline was the same, the factory was the same, The children were the same. What came was essentially the same. And and the difference is each person has their own perception when they read the book and and which one seems more like what they believe.
1: There was one part of that film that was majorly different, though. Well, There was two parts. Obviously, the songs changed. Mm -hmm. Personally, I think you're allowed to change the songs. I'm not a big song-in-film guy. And I was a little bit shocked when they changed the songs, but then again, they'd just be rehashing old songs, and if they didn't pull it off then they'd be always compared to them old songs. And it'd be such a burden to be compared to them old songs. And I, I think that's why they went away from them songs. But also, the other big difference was the Oompa Loompas. Mm-hmm. And obviously not having wolves running around your ankles. And <laughs> they all, all looked different, and they all acted differently, and they all had their own personalities. And in this one, they just shot one guy from various different angles, stuck him in, very clever, but I couldn't stand it.
0: I agree. To me, that Oompa-Loompa group, again, it just it seemed more silly, and it. What the new one or the old one? The new one. I I like the old. The old one struck me more as like a race of creatures. Yeah. You know, they were all like you said, each individual is a little bit different. But that goes to another thing that we'll probably end up talking about. This idea that when it might be acceptable to do a remake is when things feel dated. We've mentioned before that this has that early 70s hippie kind of feel to it. I think they could have kept the lyrics, I think they could have kept kind of the same tone to the song, but gotten rid of some of that flashy, trippy uh, special effects that you saw going in there. Yeah. Oh, another difference I think would be this whole daddy issues kind of theme that, that came up with Willy Wonka. I, I don't remember that being in the book <laughs> at all. I mean, it, it would be a major lapse on my part if it was. But again, this, this idea yeah. that Willy Wonka is a chocolatier because his father never let him have chocolate and his dad was a dentist. Right, yeah. I think that's okay, because I don't think there was a point where it was defined how he became this person who loved chocolate and this great chocolatier. No. So in the absence of a set story, I think Tim Burton's entitled to create one. And again, it's independent of that, whether or not people like it and they agree with it.
1: But do you not think he'd be more mysterious without that backstory?
0: Oh yeah, I think it's better without it. But I think it's a, a violation when you go and you take something that... Was already established, and you mess with it. Yeah. Like for example, the Iron Man movie. Have you seen that one yet? No, I haven't seen that. No. The origin of Iron Man is very much the same as what it is in the comic book. the The way he builds his armor, and and even the original set of armor he builds, it's taken right out of the comic books. Mm-hmm. A better example might be, you know, Superman. That he arrives to Earth because Krypton is blowing up. Every Superman movie you've seen, every depiction of S- Superman so far has been that story. Yeah. Now, when in the Spider-Man movies. He got bit by a spider. He got his powers. There's certain elements of that that I think are, are must-haves. If if you change that, then it's not Spider-Man. It's a different sp- superhero. But I know some people had a reaction to the fact that the web shooters in the movie it came right out of his skin, the webs, where when when you read the comic books, he has these little devices that he builds.
1: See, I, I prefer the idea of them actually coming out of his skin. It, it shows more of an organic mutation over towards the Spider-Man character instead of... He wasn't an inventor, he was a reporter, and he was just a photographer at the time, and he was a a lonely one at the time as well. And and to Mm. actually go home and then get all this stuff from Radio Shack and Tandy and other places like that, and then build all these receptacles that he could shoot webs out of, would have been, nowadays, pushing the limit, I think, a little bit. A lot of people would have questioned that.
0: No, I can see that. I think it was intended to make him seem very nerdy and scientific when it first came out, and, and as someone who read those comics as a geeky kid in school, like, oh, it's great, you know, they had um, this thing in the 80s where they released the schematics of, of Iron Man's armor and the web shooters and all these famous things from the comic books, and, you know, in a dorky way, it was so cool to think that that was a, an invention you might do sometime, but for the purposes of the story, I, I think you're right, I think it was fine that they made them organic, and it didn't make him not Spider-Man anymore. No. Whereas if you had changed
1: his origin to be he came from another planet or he was bitten by a radioactive rhinoceros or something like that then that would have changed it totally and another example
0: is with the batman movies you've had various portrayals of batman when they talk about his origin it's always you know he's at the theater with his parents he's from a wealthy family and his parents are murdered outside the theater and he has this deep Rooted sense of vengeance inside him, and that, that defines the character. Mm-hmm. It's important. If you if you get away from that, it's not Batman. It's something else. It might be son of Batman. It might be inspired by Batman, but it's not Batman without that.
1: Yeah, it would have been a totally different franchise altogether if it. Right. Yeah, you know, if he'd actually gained superpowers, then it wouldn't be Batman at all.
0: Right, or if he just had a different motivation. You know, they changed. I think some things with Batman Begins. Again, they kind of added in some storyline where Christian Bale goes off to, I guess it's Tibet. He learns from these monks. The guy who played Qui Gon Jinn is basically the same character in yeah. Batman, and t- and teaches him. Those were some changes. But the Batman character was still Batman. And there were certain elements, the way he talked, the the style of the costume, although the color and the accoutrements might have changed. Mm-hmm. There, some things were kept the same. So this issue with the Star Trek movie that a lot of people are having, and myself included, is that origin is kind of being tampered with. And it's tough because the original Star Trek series started in the 60s. So it is dated. It actually started with a pilot that didn't even have Captain Kirk in it. It had a different captain of the the Enterprise, and when it was picked up to be an actual television series, when it kind of jumped ahead, let's say, a matter of like a year or so. Right. Now I've read various comic books that talk about the time in between. It supposedly tells the story of how Kirk met Spock, and in the Star Trek pilot, there's a Captain Pike. His first officer is a woman, uh, Majel Barrett, the the woman who ended up playing Nurse Chapel eventually on the show and was married to gene roddenberry right. and then spock is is he's a character on the show he's a science officer but he's not second in command the comic books tell a story about why he's kind of promoted for the television show they, they talk about that number one character she gets hurt saving i think it's captain kirk and captain pike from something falling in a in a factory somewhere i forget the whole premise but they filled in the gaps and it kind of Bridged it and there's some established elements to the Star Trek canon that these characters were all independent and they were brought together on the Enterprise. Captain Kirk has a history with um with Dr. McCoy. He knows him from somewhere. Spock was not Captain Kirk's first choice. There's the first couple episodes have uh Commander Mitchell, who's a really good friend of Captain Kirk, and he's the one he really wants to have be his first officer. But something happens, he alien takes over his brain and he goes <laughs> he goes nuts. But anyway, so there's a backstory. It's been established, and it wasn't just mentioned in passing. It's been respected by a series of follow-up films and books, and everybody kind of treads lightly around that and doesn't tamper with it. This new story, this new movie, which might be a great movie, doesn't respect that. It seems to be having the characters meet in a different way. They kind of all go to the Academy together. They're brought together by a different series of events. It sounds like certain key people, this first choice of a first officer from captain kirk is missing some historical noteworthy events in the development of the characters sound like they might be skipped and glossed over they may appear but that kind of that rankles me that that bothers me because i feel like if you're not going to respect <laughs> this established story then you might as well have just use a different set of characters
1: yeah i'm i'm not very up with my uh star trek as mm-hmm. you know i'm I, I've seen it. I've seen it all through my life, up until you know, 10, 15 years ago, I suppose, when I left home. So are, are we talking like a, a, a totally different timeline or a, a totally different way of setting out the whole new universe? Or
0: Let me take this example. Let's say that in Star Wars, which you're, you're probably more familiar with, in the future, to defeat the Emperor or some new threat, they have to uh, go back in time they go to a different timeline, so it is alternate timeline. But in this other timeline, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker know each other before they meet at that cantina and before they fly off in in that first Star Trek or Star Wars movie. Okay, that's basically the type of difference that this has. That whereas those two characters met in the cantina and it, you know, who shot first, Han or Greedo, and. <laughs> Does that really shape the whole movie? No, but it seems to kind of set a tone for the relationship between the two
1: of them. It's an important way they actually meet, to be honest. It, it's important that right. the way um, Obi-Wan takes him down there to meet him and they're, they're cagey with each other and he doesn't like his the Millennium Falcon. He calls it a piece of junk. And right, exactly. in, in the other timeline, obviously, he would have known it was a piece of junk and he would have been fine and it would just totally take a, taken on a different perspective.
0: Right. There would have been a different source of tension between them. There would have been a different history. Because you can't just have it be that they know each other. It has to be they know each other and they've gone through experiences yeah. together. And as you start to do that, yes, it's this is an alternate Star Wars universe now where a series of events will you know continues to branch out differently. It may parallel what happened in the original story. But if you're going to do that, then why does it have to be Luke and Han? If you're going to do that, why not just tell a different science fiction story about two different characters... I mean there's plenty of movies that tell basically the same plot plotline. Yeah. But you know, they're not the same movie. They're not sequels of each other. You know, The Karate Kid and Rocky are basically the same kind of <laughs> same kind of rise above the odds and defeat the overwhelming champion kind of story, but they're they're two completely different movies.
1: So is it annoying you uh, so much that you wouldn't actually bother going to see this or it's turned you right off of the idea or you just don't like what Abraham's is doing with Star Trek.
0: Actually, I would definitely like to see it. It may be a great movie. This is something where, in the forums, I keep having to restate. My issue is, if you're not going to respect this established thing, or, or re- you could freshen it up without completely redefining some of the key components. If you're going to do it that way, then I feel like they just they should be starting fresh all around. It could be a Star Trek movie, just like there's all these different Star Trek TV shows. Mm-hmm but use different characters, use, use para, you know, similar characters, but it just feels, it feels exploitive that because this character has this name, because it's, because it's Spock as opposed to some other alien character, you get the benefit of certain fan appeal and certain fan expectations, but then when you don't live up to that completely, you might as well have just used a different
1: character. Do you, do you not think a, a Star Trek film wouldn't have the draw without Kirk and Spock and that crew? if they if abrahams had made a, a star trek film yeah the star trek guys and girls would have gone to see the movie anyway but then you haven't got the draw from the public like wanting to see uh kirk and spock and see what they do because i'm probably going to go watch it mm-hmm. only because of you know i'm listening on watching on the forums i'm listening to the podcasts i'm listening listening to everyone and I'm forming my own opinion and I, I haven't you know, sat down and watched Star Trek for years and years but I'm listening to podcasts about it because it's tingling me you know, I'm, I'm getting a, a certain vibe off of it and I'm, I'm looking forward to it now you know, I don't want to be the guy that everyone thinks oh you're only going to go watch it because it's a movie because yes I am in one respect but I have seen it in the past so you know, I wouldn't class myself as a you know, quote Trekky." At all.
0: Right, but you're familiar with the context. Yeah,
1: I, I remember... Um, I remember sitting down on a Wednesday night, eating my dinner, my dad having it on, on BBC2. I mem- remember watching mm-hmm. The Next Generation. That was my gateway into Star Trek. I, I remember watching the pilot for that as well. I, I'm not... It's, see, it's so long ago that I've actually seen it, but I remember enjoying it, but wasn't there a big space jellyfish at the end of it that... Was it Councillor Troy that was speaking to it, and she, she was going, "Ooh, he's happy," and the big space jellyfish, jellyfished off.
0: I think there might be. There, that's a common, unfortunately, plot device for the Star Trek shows.
1: And so that that's where I, I'm a bit bit wary about it, to be honest, because I, I feel Star Trek sometimes is its own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. In that respect. it can produce great you know action movies. It can produce great TV. It can also produce the the lamest TV on on TV and it can also produce crap films.
0: Have you seen the Mission Impossible films?
1: Well, the new ones, yes.
0: Yes. Alright, well, did you ever watch the television show? I vaguely remember it. I'm, I'm not too sure. I... The Mission Impossible TV show had a cast of characters and they were the Impossible Mission Force team and you know, it started every time with the little cassette tape and like, good morning Mr. Phelps this, you know, this is your mission should you choose to accept it and this tape will self-destruct that whole thing. Yeah. When that movie came out, it really just was an action, blow-it-up spy kind of film. You know, mm-hmm. it could have been Die Hard. It could have been... It didn't have to be Mission Impossible. If he wanted it to be clearly Mission Impossible, then there were certain components. You should have that little exploding tape. You should have the structure of an impossible mission force team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I, I think he got away from that a little bit. Right. So I would think for the Star Trek, it would have been a good idea to... For J.J. Abrams to make a Star Trek movie, it would be a science fiction movie, which you know fans of the genre in general and people who hear how great the special effects are going to be and are intrigued by it would seize on it. His reputation from Lost would definitely help. Star Trek people would go. And I, I just think if you're going to say, I'm going to tell the story, we'll say, go back to Star Wars for a second. When they did the Star Wars prequels, when they did Phantom Menace, yeah, and you were told... This is going to be the story of Darth Vader when he was a child. Well, it all had to lead up to <laughs> to those first three films. Yeah. If they ended up saying, yeah, yeah, we know that uh, Darth Vader left his lightsaber with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Obi-Wan trained him. And if they didn't somehow reconcile that, then it, it wasn't really a fit. Yeah. There was no need to make it about those same characters. They didn't need to use Anakin Skywalker. They could use a different character. And I guess that's what I'm thinking here. It's got these characters that were chosen to be in it, but then it's, it's redefining them. In, in the way we were talking about with um, with superheroes, or like with James Bond. James Bond has got certain mannerisms. We've seen five different actors play James Bond, mm-hmm. but he's always kind of a womanizer. He's always got the cool gadgets. He's always unflappable. He's always got the same accent, or style of accent, I should say. I'm yeah. sure Pierce Brosnan kind of throws that, too. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, there were certain things. You couldn't have him go in and start overcoming the odds because he sits and and problem solves all the time. You know, he yeah. he's an action kind of guy, and
1: that's what it's all based on, though, isn't it? Just a, an action guy who's working. Was it MI five or MI six or one of them? <laughs> <laughs> but there are certain things
0: that you know when Daniel Craig did it, and Timothy Dalton and Pierce Bros and Sean Connery, there were certain consistencies that made it that when you went to see this James Bond film, you left feeling like you saw a James Bond film. As opposed to seeing the Born Identity, or seeing Die Hard, or seeing Pink Panther, <laughs> you know, there, yeah, there there was something about it that it kept together. And, and my concern again with the Star Trek one is things seem to be lacking. It, again, it's totally independent from whether it ends up being a good film. It might be a great film, but like this this Pink Panther remake, which talking about kids films, yeah, uh, I've went to go see with my kids. I've seen both both of them, and I liked the old Peter Sellers films a lot. I understand the old Peter Sellers films are a little differently paced. I think they're great, but for for my eight-year-old boy, to get him to sit down and watch a Peter Sellers' Pink Panther, it's just not a good fit for him as an MTV generation kid. Yeah, He needs a little more quick tempo. He needs a little more slapstick. He needs... More eye candy as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, exactly. The idea of freshing that up, I don't know that you're going to end up with a successful film or a quality film but I can understand where someone would would think that that was practical mm-hmm. um I think the end result was awful <laughs> I, I didn't laugh at all and my son hardly laughed at all either in in the Pink Panther
1: 2 movie who's in that that's Steve Martin isn't that's it Steve
0: Martin yeah but to give them credit Inspector Clouseau is still a bumbling French detective he's still got Inspector Dreyfus above him it, they tried to preserve a context it's not like the Pink Panther is now James Bond. He still <laughs> solves crimes by accident and all. One of the other concerns that I know um, is going on in the forum with the Star Trek movie is this idea of dialogue and how you watch these Star Trek trailers and you, you're basically seeing very contemporary language. Right. right? Or, or even more so, kind of a casualness and a speech pattern that doesn't really fit. So, like we were talking about with James Bond, how James Bond hardly, I don't think James Bond ever curses. I't think I've ever heard him swear in any of the
1: films i I don't think so i'm I'm trying to think. i I only saw Casino Royale a couple of days ago uh I don't think he swears in that either no
0: and that's that's really current just everything has got like a double entendre a little little suggestiveness to it it's just there's a speech pattern there that no matter who plays James Bond, they do it the same way and and I'm not saying you want the new movie to have uh, a character of Shatner in it but Captain Kirk doesn't emote the way he seems to be acting in, in the trailers
1: Do you think he wants to get away from that though? To create a whole new fresh world and so he can, this is a starting point this is a new starting point the same way James Bond was I, I don't want to go back to you know, the Bourne films you know, relaunching uh, mm-hmm. James Bond but when I saw the Bourne identity I thought that was a great James Bond film because of the way it was actually done. And that's the way that Bond should have been done. And then they went into Casino Royale with that in the back of their mind.
0: Right. But still using a James Bond character. Well, yeah, a super spy,
1: basically, isn't it?
0: Right. But his personality was still... It was Sean Connery, it wasn't, it wasn't an American... No. He still had the mannerisms of James Bond that you would expect. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah that, that's right, yeah. But with this new Star Trek film, are they... You know, Trying to start from scratch I'm not going to say that they're going to kick off a whole new franchise And make uh, a whole new series Because I very much doubt that But Are they going to be making more films from it? I think that they're definitely trying to reinvent
0: The characters And I just don't know why you need to do that I think you can relaunch the franchise You could create the opportunity for more movies Or spin-off TV show or something like that Without, without Using those same characters Right and I think that if you're going to benefit from the the fact that you're dealing with known commodities, then you have to be respectful of of the fact that they they're known for certain
1: things. Uh huh. Would you be happier with them just doing fresh new characters then?
0: Yeah, that wouldn't have bothered me. And and I I'm not even bothered as much by the dialogue, like some of the people are, as so much as the dynamic between them. There's a hierarchy. We'll go back to James Bond again. Just I'm trying to think of things that are clearly defined. You wouldn't expect to see. James Bond, no matter who's portraying them, being humble when talking to Q and and his superiors. Mm -hmm. There's always kind of like just a bravado that, yeah, 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 I hear you, I'll do what I'm going to do, and don't ask too many questions, and I'll get the job done kind of thing. But there wouldn't be this kind of humble asking for permission or apologizing, and in that same kind of way, I get the sense that there's going to be a different dynamic between the characters. Right. And and again, why use those characters? Okay. trying to think of another set of sequels... Not sequels necessarily, but remakes. Talking about remakes that that seem acceptable. Now, I've never seen Ocean's Eleven, the one, the original one with Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. and all. But my understanding is it was basically the same premise as the Ocean's Eleven that came out five or six years ago with George Clooney and Brad Pitt. And right. Have you seen that movie?
1: I I've seen the original. Uh, not not the original. Sorry, I've seen. The remake. The first one.
0: Right. Well, no, I
1: think that's fine. That you took
0: the fact that you had a group of, thir- of 11 con artists working together to steal from a casino. And it's it's a much more contemporary version. So you have different security at casinos. You have stealing a million dollars today probably <laughs> is not all that impressive as opposed to stealing 300 million dollars. One million dollars. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. So I... I have no problem with that style of a remake. The thing to me is, those characters, those 11 con artists in that story, even if they have the same names, they don't have the established backstories that Spider-Man has, that Superman has, and, and all that. Right. In the Spider-Man movies, did, did you see the most recent Spider-Man movie
1: with the black costume? Yes, the lamest film ever to grace my TV so far. <laughs> I, th- I thought it was rubbish. I really did. <laughs> When you look at that, there's
0: a movie that messes with a lot of history. But it, I don't think it really affects the characters that much. I mean, it, it was kind of a special effects bonanza more than
1: advancing the characters at all. I I, I thought it affected it a hell of a lot. I, I'm not too sure where Venom came from in the comic books, though. Venom came from this thing
0: called The Secret Wars. There was, in, I, geez, I guess, like 1985... This creature called the Beyonder took 30 of Earth's greatest heroes and 30 of their villains and had had them fight it out. Right. While they're on this alien planet, people's costumes are getting ripped, and you know everyone goes and gets their costumes fixed from the special machine. Spider-Man goes to the wrong machine and out drops this little black blob. He thinks it's his costume, but turns out to be this alien symbiote that's feeding off him and, and over time makes him go crazy and all. In the cartoons, they kind of change that to be... We're not going to go into this whole going over to another planet thing. Jonah Jameson's son is an astronaut in the comic books and in the TV shows. So one on one of his space trips, he accidentally brings back this alien substance, and that turns into Venom in the cartoons. Right. And then in the movie, they made it that Venom fell from the sky like
1: the Blob, you know, like in a meteorite or something. Yeah. See, I I thought that was cheap and nasty, and you know, the way it just landed and just spided its way up to his motorbike and jumped on his motorbike and he was off and then it was all, all of a sudden a character wasn't in a movie, landed was in a movie and that's it, no other explanation, I'm not asking for like a a, a backstory. millions and millions of years ago, this happened and this is why it happened but I just thought it was a lame way of actually introducing a huge character into the Spider-Man world, I remember uh, hearing that Venom was actually going to be in the Spider-Man movies and I thought yes brilliant I've mm-hmm. i 've read it about him in comics you know for years and years. I thought superb you know ap- you know this guy's going to whoop ass on spider man and it just never really happened. It was you know this lame guy who ended up with a suit and i didn 't like the way that sp- I like the dark aspect of spider man in spider man three I liked that, mm-hmm. but i didn 't like anything about the venom side of it being incorporated into the Spider-Man 3 with Spider-Man himself. There's certain parts of it they held very true to the comic books like when
0: Spider-Man has that costume for probably about a year of of comic books and he goes to the Fantastic Four because he says it's just acting weird I'm I'm not sleeping at night because he would Spider-Man would be asleep and Venom would go out about the city and <laughs> because it was feeding off whatever energy he would produce. So Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four, figures out that a sonic, a sound weapon is what will stop him. Right. So he captures Venom, and then captures this blob, and it, it learns to hate Spider-Man, and over time it escapes, gets on him, and the way Spider-Man finally gets free is, is just like in that scene where he's in the church. Yep. He bangs against the bell, and and it, he's trying to get the costume off, and and the costume kind of melts away from him. And... Eddie Brock finds it. I, I don't have a problem. I think it was rushed, like you said. I think they brought the character in. They should have given him some backstory. But the fact that they would have had to come up with a a different backstory, because they were in the movie and they didn't have time to go into the original version, Yeah. I I don't think that mattered so much. The fact that, I agree, they didn't handle it very well. I think that they definitely wasted <laughs> someone who, who should be like the...
1: He's his ultimate nemesis, and they did actually waste you know, waste the opportunity with him. I'm not saying he should have gone on to another movie. That I think that movie failed with having too many bad guys in there at one go, and especially at the last scene on the uh, construction site. Mm-hmm. And it was just, not that there was too much going on, but there was just too many guys tr- trying to follow too many stories, and then they're not gripping enough. And you don't really want the bad guy to win, because sometimes it's nice for the bad guy to win so you feel, right, okay, let's get on for the next movie. Yeah. And with the Venom character, I was, I was a bit peed off that they killed him off in the end. Obviously, you know, putting the, the poles around him and destroying mm-hmm. him like that and throwing the grenade in there. But they, they wasted their opportunity there. They, they could have kept him on or developed him a little bit more. They, they had a lot more scope. Maybe not having the Sandman in there and develop mm-hmm. the Venom character and then you could have had one almighty puck of film. Because Venom, as a character in the comic books and all, goes
0: through a time that he tries to be a hero. He hates Spider-Man. He comes to terms with it. it there's a whole relationship there that Spider-Man rejected it. And in the comic books, it's portrayed as believing it, it It was helping Spider-Man. It was making Spider-Man stronger. What you had was 90 minutes of film where the first 30 minutes was showing the effect it had on Spider-Man. And then 30 minutes of Venom establishing himself. And then the fight scene at the end. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it could have been much different. And it, it was a character with a lot of potential for them to waste. They should have held out a little longer.
1: I don't think there was anything to, to grasp onto in that film. In the second, the second one, you had uh, the Octo guy. Oh God, his name slips my Dr. Octopus. That's it. And you had time to grasp onto him and understand him. And then you had the balance of power. And you didn't have that in that movie. And that sort of destroyed it for me. I know we seem to be like going on to like a movie review here. I don't to do that.
0: Well, that might be a good, good place to segue then, because we're kind of talking about um, what could have been and should have been in the movies. And I, there's a, a website we'll put up on the notes that lists 38 planned movie remakes that you didn't know about, and then there's 55 movie yep. remakes currently in the works. So... We'll take a look at the, the 55 current movie remakes. And just take a quick look down...
1: One that springs to my mind is Clash of the Titans. Um, I'm just wondering what they're going to do. They, they're having the guy who directed the Incredible Hulk do this movie. Now, I've seen the Clash of the Titans so many times, and I love the stop animation, yeah. the, the way they actually did it. Like I like Medusa. I like all the skeletons in there. I, I like the clockwork... Um, owl in there. Well, it's supposed to be like the old
0: Jason and the Argonauts and all all those old movies. It was a little more current, and I I don't know how they can make it to the next step of being contemporary without going into a whole different style of special effects.
1: Is that what they're banking on? Maybe uh, just falling back on special effects and having a big eye candy movie? I have to think that's probably what it's going to be, but then it gets
0: back to what we said before. If
1: you're going to do that,
0: then why does it have to be Clash of the Titans? Why can't it just be the story of Hercules or the you know some other Greek yeah. legend? I mean, I'm not even sure if that story is something that was made up for the movie. Is that character officially part of Greek mythology or you know if it's not, then it's definitely unnecessary for them to take that particular storyline because I'm sure they'll change yeah. a couple of details yeah, anyway. Of you know,
1: I'm I'm just guessing that they they're just gonna. A, a rehash of they, they cut her head off didn't they and put it in a bag and a, a guy came along stabbed the bag yes. and big scorpions came out yeah that's yep. the movie I'm thinking of good Thank yep. God for that. and like there's
0: that little owl yeah. the little mechanical owl that he gets from see now the way that was that all worked if they go and they make it you know uh, higher tech computer gra- generated graphics there's... it's going to be a good movie Oh, yeah, but it, will it be Clash... Does it have to be Clash of the Titans? Could it just be a good movie, you know, with yeah. a similar plot? I think I'd
1: always hark back to my version. I, I, I class that the old version as my version because I remember watching that years and years ago. Even if it was on tomorrow, I'd still sit down and watch it because I think it's brilliant. I agree. It's And
0: that's that's something that... It's dated, but it's so dated that it's... It's
1: come back around and it's retro it's back campy. again. yeah.
0: Exactly. That now now you have things trying to look like that. Did you see there's a karate kid <laughs> remake? Yeah, I that, yeah.
1: I'm I'm not too sure how to take that though.
0: So Will Smith's son is cast is as, as the karate kid and because the original Mr. Miyagi is mm-hmm. has passed away, um, Jackie Chan has been cast as the new Mr. Miyagi. Okay. Now I I think of the Karate Kid and I basically think Karate Kid Two and Three were remakes of Karate <laughs> yeah. Kid number one. I mean Karate Kid Two was a little different 'cause they he was overseas and that was more of a love story. But in the same way that you know, Karate Kid Three had um there was a, a girl took over. She was the mm-hmm. the pupil. So having Jaden Smith be the people, why isn't that just Karate Kid 4? Why does that have to be Karate yeah. Kid number 1 remade? Yeah. And especially since it's it's not really going to have any of the same characters. So instead
1: of starting the franchise again, add into the the existing franchise that they have. Right. I mean, if, if
0: it's a matter of of copyright infringement or something, then I think you, you're better off going see, go like Die Hard 4. You know, like, uh, I mean, Indiana Jones. I understand the Indiana Jones movie a lot of people didn't like, and I, I haven't seen The Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. I
1: refuse to watch that, actually.
0: <laughs> it looks to me like they're trying to bring in... um, seemed, So, was that, the kid from Transformers? Shia LaBeouf.
1: Shia LaBeouf. Something like that, anyway.
0: Yeah, if they're going to bring the kid from Transformers in, and the idea that he'll be the star if there's an Indiana Jones 5, that's fine. That's... I'd rather them do that than make Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and have him go through and have him be running away from a boulder and
1: you know yep. <laughs> have a little bag of dirt that he weighs. You know, there's no reason for that. Would you say that there's films that can't be remade then? Or shouldn't be remade? Like songs, you know, certain songs shouldn't be covered because there's no way that anyone can interpret them in a different way that will be superior to original?
0: Yeah, I I would say I would say so, and I I think I had read somewhere the idea that a film becomes part of the public domain, and that it you know the fan base kind of owns the characters. Then then you just can't mess with it anymore. Um, but and, and songs are a little different. I I think that you can do a cover of a song and have it be you can do a country version of a rock song. You can do a Hip hop or a dance version of a song, and again, it's it's may be bad or it might be good, but it doesn't necessarily uh, step on the original the way it does yeah. with the movie. I'm I'm looking at this list, and like the Conan movie, if they do a Conan movie, th- that wouldn't bother me because even though Arnold Schwarzenegger is this this big brooding Conan type, yeah. there's nothing about that movie that stands out as iconic. But if you were to do right, well, Rocky Horror Picture Show. They're doing a remake of Rocky Horror Picture Show. There's no reason to do a remake of Rocky Horror Picture Show. They'd have to get some unknowns to do it, I think. Yeah, and that was part of the charm. At the time, those were all unknown people. There's no reason, though, to make Rocky Horror because
1: you have find the roles in a way that I don't know that anyone could really do it right. Which stands as a classic, Mm -hmm. as it is at the moment. Um, They're making a remake of The Starfighter, or The Last Starfighter. And obviously that's just going to be uh, graphics boosted up again. Yeah. No, I loved that story when it came out. Because to me that
0: was... That's what I was hoping was going to happen every time I went to the arcade. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, it's 9.30, closing times in a half hour. If I stay till 10, maybe someone will come by.
1: <laughs> no, I used to love that film. I used to also love... There was uh, another one with uh, Dennis Quaid in it. I oh, Enemy it was, Mine?
0: Yeah. I love that movie. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. And now, but that, if you're going to remake that, if you do The Last Starfighter and you don't have it be almost the exact same plot, then it's a sequel. It's not <laughs> It's not a yeah. remake. If you don't go there, and I'm, this might be spoilery if you haven't seen it, so skip ahead if you want, but if you don't go there and reject the chance to be the last starfighter, to be a starfighter, come back to Earth, and, and have all the same kind of things happen and, and get recruited out and basically fight the battle the same way then it's not the same movie mm. I mean it's tough because I, I do think there are times uh, like the movie The Italian Job I've never seen the original right, right. but I, I saw the remake and I'm sure that, that it's not the same Prime carried out the same way
1: yeah I've heard it's a totally different story well, not not totally different story sorry totally different um, events yeah way they actually set it out I, I know they have the Mini Coopers in there mhm I think that's about as close as it gets. You know, obviously, <laughs> I haven't seen this movie, but that's what I've heard, yeah. and so you know, I I tend to stay away from that. I'd love to see the original, but I just don't get time at the moment, so.
0: No, it's you know, and I I actually I was a huge Battlestar Galactica fan when it was the first series came out, and I know the the new series, a lot of people really love. I, I'm kind of at the point now where probably the next time Lost goes on hiatus, and I need something to fill my schedule, I'll start trying to get caught up on it but
1: um,
0: I don't want to jump in in the middle and at the same time I just kind of I do want to see it but I I just have a feeling that the way that these things are are reinvented there just has to be some commitment to the original concept and
1: I'll give you a a, a for instance of how someone or uh, people have ruined a franchise Um, obviously the aliens and Predator franchise. Okay. They, they've joined them together, and there was a big hoo-ha for years and years and years about getting a, aliens versus predator. I remember being at school and reading comics, and I, I've read uh, one of the books called *Prey* on aliens versus predator. And if they'd made that book into a movie, that would have been brilliant. That would have been perfect. That's exactly what you want out of a aliens versus predator movie. It's, it's been about ten years since I read it, but I, I think the Predators have the aliens on board. They lay a load of eggs down in a village on a distant planet away from anywhere else apart from humans living there. Mm-hmm. And the aliens infect all the humans. They leave it a couple of days which obviously on the first Aliens versus Predator they um, they ruin the film by having a, an almost instantaneous transition between laying the eggs and then the alien bursting out of the host mm-hmm. which totally defies all the logics of um, the laws that they've actually set down in place. That's exactly what we're talking about, yeah. Yeah, and that totally ruined uh, the aliens versus probably because you have a certain time in, in the original alien film uh, obviously John Hurt goes down to this planet goes in, in this um, alien spacecraft that has crash landed on this planet gets infected by one of these eggs, goes back up to the uh, spacecraft, and he's monitored for a day or so, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, this other thing falls off of him, dies, and then the next day, it bursts out of him. Or later that day, it bursts out of him. No, I I think there's. it shows a longer period of time between him getting infected and the incidents happening. Right, because it was a
0: different style. It was more of a suspense...
1: Almost horror movie kind of thing. That yeah, it was more like a B horror movie, wasn't it? Um, Now James Cameron was fine in what he did because all the people were already infected there, Mm -hmm. so he he followed along the same sort of laws of aliens uh, films, which is fine. Then you come to Aliens versus Predator; they ruined it by having the short transition between uh, infection and uh, the alien bursting out of its host. I haven't seen the second Aliens versus Predator, but um, also they had uh, Aliens. Uh, what was the fourth Alien film called? Um, oh, is it the Requiem? On, it? One, or was that? Aliens versus Predator? That's Aliens vs. Predator. Anyway, Alien Four. Let's let's call it Alien Four. For now. Right, I know
0: where um, Sigourney Weaver was in it again.
1: Yeah, and yeah. they had Winona Ryder in it, and obviously, you know, we'll try and get her on Skype. Yeah. some other time yeah we'll have um to. <laughs> <laughs> um in that film they they also took part of um a dark horse comic where yeah had a, a general spears i think it was and he was harvesting a queen who was reproducing all these aliens and he was feeding his marines to these uh alien eggs mm-hmm. and he was creating an army and in alien 4 you see the way that they're trying to control the aliens by you know spraying them with gas and they stop and they're learning about orders. Yeah. And and they they sort of took that from the comics, which was brilliant. And if they kept on with the comic book story, then they would they would have had a great film because I think they try and go back to, down to Earth in the comic book. They they um this General Spears he's trying to set up an army of aliens. He. He takes them back down to Earth to wipe out the aliens that have invaded Earth and wiped out all the humans on there so he can conquer Earth for himself. Obviously, he gets down there, you know, spoiler, 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 Mm -hmm. he gets down there and the aliens basically turn on him Mm -hmm. and it would have been a very dark movie and it would have been great because I think that's what Aliens versus Predator or Aliens needs and where they haven't followed the laws set in the first two or three movies then that's where they've just screwed up and totally ruined it now any other film that comes out will be compared to the the modern day you know 2000 movies
0: yeah if they're going to have it be an alien where the incubation period is different or or you start to change the behavior of it or the abilities of it then it just it just becomes <laughs> becomes a different character a different alien and you're just capitalizing on brand recognition but you're not necessarily delivering the brand and it's frustrating too when the comic books seem to really go out of their way to work within the confines of what's established in in a movie but the reverse yeah. isn't always true
1: yeah the the comic books and also the books themselves were brilliant mm-hmm. and they they followed the the rules that have been set down but obviously people trying to cash in on these movies they they have a they they've heard of storylines and they've seen storylines and then they write their own storylines compared to them, uh, the original storylines, and they're trying to cash in on that, and that's where it all falls down.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Did, have you seen the most recent Superman movie? Uh, I've seen pieces of it. I wasn't very impressed Perfect. with it, to be honest. I didn't think it was a great story, but I thought... I was pleased that it basically was a continuation of the established character. Mm-hmm. That, you know, they got an actor who looked like Christopher Reeve. He had the same mannerisms as Christopher Reeve. And I didn't have a problem so much with them kind of skipping <laughs> the various Richard Pryor uh, Superman movies. But that you could take Superman 1, Superman 2, where General Zod and all them are there. And mm-hmm. I, maybe it's even one or two more of, of the movies. But before the Superman films got too campy, you could go and insert this one in and it was a continuation of the storyline and it now I'm not gonna worry about the spoiling, but <laughs> it's the movie starts with what looks like is going to be retelling the origin of Superman. And right. and it, it isn't, it's a continuation of it. It's gotten mixed reviews. I, I know a lot of people feel the way you do. I for me, I brought my son to see that and that was he had seen the Superman two movie with the three villains. Yep. And so this, other than that, this was his first introduction to Superman, and for a kid raised on cartoons, it didn't have too much. It didn't have enough action for him. It was, it was like watching a 1980s movie, and it just didn't sit well for him. So, in poking around for this episode, the big debate seems to be: Do you continue, which was the plan at first, yep. or do you reboot and do what they did with Batman? Or are you now at a point where Superman needs to be taken over from scratch? The argument for preserving what you had was you have a series of DC movies coming out. There's Green Lanterns coming out next year. The Flash is coming out next year. There were plans for a Justice League movie in the hopes that they could have the same actors who play uh, each of the the heroes individually appear in that film. Um, That seems to have fallen by the wayside. And then the argument for rebooting is the success of Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. But I think the big difference is Batman Batman is edgy. And when it got... I and mean, you had Michael Keaton. <laughs> he was the first one to do the uh, kind of growl <laughs> Batman talk. Yeah. And that wasn't bad. You had the Joker. was Jack Nicholson. It was kind of creepy, gothic. Uh, it, was, it was a big departure from the Adam West stuff. But then it started to get silly. And so you needed to kind of re- re-embrace the Dark Knight, literally yeah. the Dark Knight, that Frank Miller had, had written in the graphic novels. But Superman has always been just a dorky, gee golly gosh, (laughs) just like Christopher Reeve uh, portrayed him. That's how he was. Now, in the comic books, they have tried to make him edgier. He's actually died in the comic books and been reborn, and and now there's Superman Prime, there's Cyborg Superman. There's all these splint versions of Superman, and uh, he's not so much the Boy Scout anymore. I don't know that... You can't really make the Dark Knight.
1: No, I don't think it would work at all. You can't go too. I don't know if you could go too dark with Superman. It... I see. Sometimes I don't think they make enough dark movies where the, the bad guys win. It'll be it'll be great just to have a a movie that right. everyone knows the story, and then the, the twist at the end is the bad guy wins, and everyone comes yeah. out going, "Hang on, no, what 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 happened there?" And I think it'll shake everyone up, and they be like, "Wow, hang on, that was a good movie." The way they they twisted it at the end, and you come away yeah. feeling a bit numb, but when you, on retrospect, when you think about the, the movie, and it, it just sink in, and then it, it become a, a an all time classic.
0: No, I I agree, especially in this this era of sequels where they make the movie fully expecting to have two or three follow ups. Hmm.
1: You could you could have it be left where. <laughs> you, you're waiting for round two. Yeah, you could do your and, your empire on on every uh, trilogy, really, couldn't you? Hmm. Well, now the the guys at here goes
0: the guys at here goes nothing were talking about I am Legend and and uh, their podcast, which I guess that's a remake too of a movie called The Omega Man, and there was even another film, um, The Last Man on Earth, I think it was called. I haven't seen any of them. But, but I listen to their podcast, and I have some of the same reservations, the same reasons I probably won't see the film that they and, and Rich from Simply Syndicated have. Um, I decided I I could listen to the spoilers, I could see what was going yeah. on, and they talk about there being an alternate ending, and so poking around for this, I happen to stumble on the alternate ending, and I I watched the endings, and without even seeing the whole rest of the. Of the movie, I could see how one how the the darker ending would just be more satisfying. Yeah. because in just that six minutes, there it was like watching um, a sanitized version. And especially for what that movie is supposed to be, you know, an end of the world kind of movie, it should end with kind of a, a darker, sadder kind of tone to it.
1: Well, yeah, sometimes an end of the world movie has the yeah. end of the world in it. And someone has to make that movie. I I, I can understand they don't want... Because once someone finds out the the formula for making a great end to a movie, i.e. the bad guys mm-hmm. winning, or, see, I, I've got Iron Legend around the corner, I'll be watching that in a minute, watch the, the uh, alternate ending. But once someone grabs hold of that, then all the movies from then on will have dark endings, and then the whole world will be thrown into a void of unhappiness.
0: Well, I think that also gets confused with the idea of no ending. Like, um, I didn't watch The Sopranos, but when Sopranos series ended, I, I got that reaction of, oh my god, that, that's it? It's just over? And I've seen plenty of movies where... <laughs> and credits. And yeah. That's... The lack of a an ending is not the same as having a, a sad ending or an unfortunate yeah. ending. Now, there's something where, again, if you're going to do a remake and you want to change the outcome, I mean, I could see that, too, because you can do that without messing with the backstory. That, to me, is what an alternate universe thing should be. There used to be these comic book series called What If, and they would go through, and they'd be like, well, what if Spider-Man had stopped that crook, and, and his Uncle Ben had lived? You know, the Incredible Hulk is formed because Dr. Banner pushes Rick Jones out of the way, and he's the one who gets the burst. Well, what if the kid is the one who got the burst instead? And so all these... All these things of, you know, what if events had just happened a little differently? The same premise up to that point, but then we go the other direction from here on. And to me, that's what a good remake should be. It, either, you know, freshen it up, make it more contemporary, and possibly change the outcome, po- you know, take a couple things that happened along the way in the course of that plot and have it go yeah. a different direction. But I don't think it should be, oh, well, here's... uh we're gonna tell the story of, of Franklin Delano Roosevelt and this time he's not gonna be in a wheelchair. He's gonna be blind instead. <laughs> yeah. You know? Right, so yeah. You know, it just doesn't really I don't think that's the right way to go with it. Yeah. So we we were trying to think of something different. We we do have a style we're trying to put into these podcasts and we we like it. We hope you guys like it too. <laughs> but uh we thought it'd be good to give you guys a themed episode this week. We'll probably put together a short one on the faster turnaround time that gives you some of our quirky news and some of the net nuggets as far as cool things to find on the internet we will be giving you a list of film remakes and adaptations from comic books
1: and television from wikipedia and some of these lists that we were talking about here i think we'll be coming back to this uh, topic again not in the too distant future I'd imagine
0: and we would certainly welcome anyone who wants to jump in and share their views even though it'll probably have our listenership yeah. <laughs> to have, have too many people with us appreciate the chance to have a good conversation actually hear some voices uh, and there's plenty of remakes coming out um, Tron is coming out do you remember Greatest American Hero I don't know if you would have got that
1: no I don't remember that no
0: I'm not going to sing it for you let me see if I can whistle a theme song for <laughs> you <laughs> I can't do it laughing that's for sure
1: I, I'd love to say I do. <laughs> you do know it? No, I'd love to say I do, but I don't. Oh. It's about this guy who...
0: Aliens come and give him a superhero suit and an instruction manual, and he loses the instruction manual. So he can't fly, he can't stop, he doesn't even know what his powers are. Hilarity ensues <laughs> as he learns how to how to use his super suit. So there's been a movie plan, planned movie adaptation of that coming out. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if it's going to be the same story. I don't know if it'll be a sequel. But there'll be plenty of chances to talk about things, like you said.
1: So, it, uh, in a wrap-up, would you be actually be going to see um Star Trek movie in the cinema? I I think it's going to be a great film. I just
0: think it could have been even better if they had just started completely fresh. Right. From okay. what I'm seeing. But I may be really surprised. They may have...
1: Cool. And a, a moral for today? I think the moral should be,
0: sometimes you just have to let the bad guys win. <laughs> There'll be more great movies if the bad guys won. So that's a whole uh, podcast in itself. We could go through, what if this had happened? What if this had happened? Yeah. We'll have to have to branch off. We'll have to have a spin-off series.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no I, I can't see why we can't do this every now and again. Oh, yeah. I think it'll be good. Yeah. So give
0: us your thoughts. We definitely left out a whole bunch of things. We definitely, I'm sure I misspoke <laughs> and gave a lot of bad information. So feel free to correct us, feel free to chime in. I I know, just from reading, you all have opinions on this stuff, so speak up.
1: I don't think you can correct me, because I was 100% right all the time. So any emails will be uh, screwed up, thrown away, I think.
0: <laughs> so I guess that's it. So we will uh, play ourselves out and give overdue thanks to Peter John Ross from SunnyBoo.com. Which, Peter John Ross, if you ever listen to this podcast, which I highly doubt, or... If you happen to Google yourself and find us in our show notes, drop us a line. Let us know how you're thinking. <laughs> or he might not be alive anymore. He might be who sent he might be someone who lived in like the twenties and passed away. He could
1: send us a, a posthumous email. Or someone from That's his right. family could send us an email saying, Please remove your music from that podcast <laughs> That's right.
0: Well no, they gave their rights. But I, I will also throw this in and I'll ask on Elton's behalf too. I would really like free T-shirts. I don't know why. That's just become like a new thing for me. I've been just grubbing for T-shirts. So, if anybody has, uh, I guess an extra large for me. I'm suspecting you're not an extra large. Though. No, I'm
1: a. I'm trying to fit into a small at the moment.
0: Oh, I'm oh yes.
1: <laughs> I'm a medium. Well, but... I could
0: fit in a large, fine, but we'll just play it safe for the yeah. extra large. But um, that's because I'm tall, not because I'm fat. <laughs> But if anyone would like to send a T-shirt, uh, drop us an email and we'll uh, we'll let you know where to and send. We'll
1: it. take your goods. <laughs>
0: That's right, and we'll uh, we'll send you our heartfelt thanks, which, according to eBay, has a retail value of about seven thousand dollars. Oh wow! So <laughs> you can come out way ahead on that. All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody, and we will look forward to talking to you guys again soon. Thank you very much, guys. I'll catch
1: you later.